I mean, the, 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 the great thing about Elon Musk is he's always thought big. He's thought big about transforming the car industry, transforming the space industry. Mm. Um, and at the end of that interview, I wrote a blog about him with the headline, Bonkers But Brilliant. Um, <laughs> Uh, which his PR man didn't like. And I had to try and explain to him that bonkers in, in, in English, this is two nations separated by a common name. Bonkers is a really affectionate term, you yes, understand. Yes, yes. Uh, he didn't buy it, and I've not had an interview since. But uh, at least that back in 2016, he was a visionary. Smashing Security, Episode 228, Pipeline Pickle, Blockchain Bollocks. And you fee snafu with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security episode 228. My name's Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. And we're joined by a hot young new author, someone who's new on the scene. <laughs> hubba hubba. <laughs> I probably haven't encountered him before. It's BBC technology correspondent and guru Rory Keflin Jones. Yay. Hi there. You can call me whatever you like as long as uh, maybe not young. Yeah, young is a bit pushy. How about Roar? Roar, 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 uh, Ingenue. <laughs> <laughs> Up and coming. But you are newly authored, aren't you? You've got a new am. book out. I have got a book out. I'm not going to be as crude enough to say that's why I'm here, Graham. But um, <laughs> it's it's one good reason. Always on in good bookshops and bad ones right now. And we're going to talk about it in a mo in a bit more detail. First, let's thank this week's sponsors, 1Password, one OneLogin, and Skiff. It's their support that helps us give you this show for free. Now, coming up on today's show, Graham, what do you got? I'm going to give you an update on your colonial pipeline. Whoa, okay. <laughs> Rory? Well, I'm... I'm actually going to be talking about my love for cryptocurrencies, not how <laughs> how I came to detest them in every form, uh, the journey I took. And I am going to look at another snafu involving home surveillance cameras. Plus, we have a featured interview with Vanessa Pegaris from One Login. So all this and much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. Now, chums, chums, the big story this month, um, I'm sure you've heard about it already, has been this cybersecurity attack, this incident involving the colonial, colonial, is that his? Colonial. colonial, it's got nothing to do with the colon, it's colonial for heaven's sake. Do you have trouble with the English language? Ever since he hit 50, how, how, do you know, how do you know they say it the same? Because what you've got here is a great big pipe carrying fluid along the great okay, so you're length making, you're making a little jeu de mots on the poop track oh, that's what yeah. you're doing that is your big joke well it stretches five thousand five hundred miles Yours if you might. if you straight if you straightened it out beyond curled it five thousand five hundred miles up the east coast of the united states from houston to new york harbor carrying 100 million gallons of fuel every day well not every day because for a few days earlier this month, it was not carrying any fuel at all. It was on May the 7th that the company which runs the Colonial Pipeline, they are called, imaginatively, the Colonial Pipeline Company. <laughs> if they name. were called Burt Bacharach, you'd have an issue. Like, there's no but way I, they well, can I win. would. Yeah, I'd be very upset if I were Burt Bacharach, if <laughs> my name had been used in such a fashion. Did you hear about that company, Aberdeen? Uh, something or other, Aberdeen, who've just... Aberdeen! Uh, yeah, yes, they've... they've 
what they've done is they've rebranded themselves. So the only vowel is the one at the beginning. So ab and then brr. It's a bit like oh. it's a bit like Twitter. Before it was Twitter, was wasn't it? It certainly was. It's ridiculous. That is branding consultancy <laughs> fees coming out of your ears for that. Um, yeah. But those are the same people who turned the post office into consignia 20 years ago. Not yeah. quite, but a similar triumph. Thank all the domain squatters out there. High five to you guys. That's why this happens. <laughs> well, anyway, the Colonial Pipeline Company, also known as BERT, uh, discovered it had been hit by ransomware. And, I mean, you, you can't have escaped the news. The pipeline was shut down for some days. There was panic buying. There was queuing at American gas stations. Some folks even tried to stock up on fuel because they thought, oh, well, we need to hoard it. And they had to issue a warning to people not to fill plastic carrier bags with petrol. Um, I saw that going out from do the I, author. Do I, hear, do I hear a judgy, judgy voice there? But because yes, I yes, see, you do. I, do I? I, I, I think I, sh- I should judge people. Who are filling plastic no, this bags is a with trap, Graham. Carry on, but no, this is a trap. Is it? Oh, <laughs> okay. Don't you remember at the beginning of the coronavirus? Who bought tons of toilet paper? Right. Was it? Was it? Was it Graham Cluley? Yes. By any chance? It was yeah. actually Mrs. Cluley. It was Mrs. Well, Cluley. It was but, uh, Graham yeah, Cluley was... Corporation. <laughs> <laughs> the reason was that we were unable to buy a single pack, so we went online, and it turned out we were only able to buy in a crate. So you we were ended only up with about. Able. We had to get about 140 rolls. They wouldn't split it up. That's why we're still going through it. Anyway, thank you very much for that shortage. Thank you for bringing that up for, for me. Um, now, inevitably, there were fears that this ransomware attack could mm. have been state sponsored. Who could it be? Russia, North Korea, China, Belgium? Russia! One of the. <laughs> the I guess. I, do, 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 do I get 10 points for that? Well, there certainly seems to be a Russian link, yes. Whether it was state sponsored or not, whether Vladimir himself pushed the button is uh, open to some question, I think. Um, so he's in a difficult position, though, right? Because worldwide, oh, he'd want to say to everybody, nobody would want to tell everybody, of course I know what's going on. But he may or may not, right? But he has to kind of say, I know everything that happens in my country, everywhere. <laughs> no one is afraid of me. So he's kind of in a catch-22, I think. Well, anyway, it was the dark side ransomware gang. And um, they thought, oh, dear crumbs, you know, we're getting quite a lot of attention. So they said to Colonial Pipeline, they said, we've determined that if you pay us $5 million, we can bring your systems back up again. And if Darkside is familiar to you, we spoke about them in episode 201 of the podcast when they were talking about giving percentages of their ill-gotten proceeds to charity Robin uh, Hood style. Mm. It's ransomware as a service, isn't it? This is the other it thing about is. it. It is. It's not just the Darkside gang because other people will use their technology and infrastructure to launch their own ransomware attacks and Darkside take a cut of it and they put out these wonderful statements that are that are basically their their csr their corporate social responsibility policies yes i love that we we don't mean to do bad we just want money that's that's all we're about so you might be wondering if if they're such good guys why did they shut down the pipe you know although it obviously you know would have added to the pressure on colonial pipelines cause a blockage Uh, crow that's a bit grubby i know what you did there and i'm not going to rise to that No, it wasn't that at all. In fact, Colonial Pipeline, they decided to shut down the pipe. And according to CNN and also um, cybersecurity journalist Kim Zetter, it wasn't the ransomware that affected the pipeline at all. The reason why they shut down the pipe 
was Colonial Pipeline realised that their billing system had been compromised, which meant if they delivered fuel, they wouldn't be able to charge for it. And they wouldn't be able to monitor who was getting what. Which is extraordinary because we all assume this was the ultimate example of how the Internet of Things doesn't work. But it wasn't that. No, it wasn't that at all. The pipeline wasn't affected by the ransomware attackers at all. It was just that Colonial thought, we've got to shut down the pipeline. Yeah, and it shows you the power of ransomware because if you lock up all the details of every single customer that you have and you can't bill, you're causing infrastructure chaos, which they did. I can't believe people were actually filling plastic bags. That has to be just one person in well, the entire universe. There could not have been many going, oh, yeah, here's my little Walmart bag. I think it may have been one person and all the other people spontaneously combusted. They just found a small pile of ashes. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, this idea of shutting it down because you can't charge properly for what you're delivering. I remember when I think it was the Vancouver um, rail system. They got hit by ransomware, which meant that they weren't able to sell tickets. And what they did is they just opened up the gates and they said, everyone can travel for free while we recover from yeah, a backup. Canadian. Oh, yes. I yeah. suppose it's a bit different when you've got an asset like oil, which is being <laughs> like taken away rather than a kind of transit system, which, you know, you're running anyway, possibly not for profit. I suppose. I wonder how long it took, though, for them to shut it off. I mean, it may, maybe originally they shut it off because they had no idea what the hell was going on. And they just said, my God, you know, they could be stealing this mm -hmm. oil. We have no idea. So they just shut down everything and then realized. Well, obviously, the impact of this was quite considerable. A chap called Joe Biden, who's now president of the United States. He didn't fill a placky bag full of petrol. He, he I <laughs> No, he didn't do that. Good. Um, you. So he, he was talking about this ransomware gang in press conferences. You know, things got quite serious. And I think Darkseid realised they may have bitten off more than they could chew. Mm -hmm. And so they're saying, look, oh, no, no, oh, yeah, we're nice guys. Well, by ransomware standards, we're saying, look, we're not like those North Koreans. We're not state-sponsored. We're not political. We'll be more careful in future. Mm. And Colonial was, meanwhile, trying to bring its systems back up. And they had been charged, as I said, $5 million by the Darkseid gang. So they weren't being that nice, really. And they ended up paying it. They ended up spending $5 million. Allegedly. Well, or uh, well, reportedly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lots yes. of sources, to be Lots fair. of sources. I don't think they've issued a press release saying, isn't this great, we've spent no. $5 million. No. No. <laughs> and what, what do you think about that, Rory, though, if they did pay? What is your view on that? Do you think... Well, that this, is, this is the big debate, isn't mm. it? That, mm. I mean, the serious side of it is that, that this is a huge threat to not just pipelines, but I mean, hospitals have been hit, schools mm -hmm. in London. I was just hearing a terrible case of, of a whole bunch of schools yeah. where private data of kids and teachers was, was they didn't pay, uh, and this private data was splashed online. Um, and there, there, there is a kind of global movement to try and say we will make it a crime to pay a ransom, but nobody's going to agree to that, are they? Well... Anyway, they paid, and in return, they got a decryption tool from Darkseid and some tech support. You know, sometimes these gangs these days actually give you advice. This is how you can better protect your network in future. Uh, they sort of do customer support online. But it turned out it wasn't the best advert in the world for Darkseid because their decryption tool, reportedly, proved too clunky and slow to fix Colonial Pipeline's systems in a timely fashion. So they went back to their backups anyway, in the end. 
So they paid probably so that their customers' information didn't go out. That's why they paid. They also hoped to get this decryption tool that would allow them to just go back to business as normal. So they had data encrypted, but they also had data stolen. But it yeah. appears the data which was stolen had only made it some servers in New York and was sort of in transit. And they spoke to some web hosts and got those servers shut down, they believe, before the bad guys got the data according to reports like Kim Zeta. What is weird about this is what they thought they were paying for. Mm. Um, and do they get their money back now? <laughs> because this, this, is, this, this dark web mob uh, claimed to be a responsible company uh, with you know, consumer-friendly policies, and therefore I think th there's a case for which magazine or so on. To Kate Bevan. Yeah, my friend Kate Bevan, I'm going to suggest this as a feature. Let's have a customer rating of all the ransomware gangs. Which of them provide the best service once, once, once you've been Which done? Which ones should you pay? Which yeah. ones seem honourable? Well, good luck getting your money back oh. from Darkseid because Darkseid appear to have gone dark. It seems its servers have gone down. Its little Bitcoin account, according to researchers who've been trying to trace the money, has been emptied. And word is spreading on the computer underground that they've closed their doors and they're not going to be doing any more mischief. Now, it's a mystery as to whether it was the authorities who took them down or not. Hard to say, yeah, right? if they just got shit scared going, this is bigger than we can shoo, guys. Or is yeah. Darkseid pretending that they've been taken down by the feds while actually pocketing the money of their affiliates? Because it, Colonial Pipeline aren't the only victim they've had. I mean, they've had other victims since then. There was a, a, a I think it was German chemical gang they got 4.4 million dollars out of in the last week or so so it it might be that <laughs> dark side are robbing other criminals as well really hard to know exactly what's going on here but dark side aren't playing by the accepted rules of this is fair play i don't think yeah exactly it's a bit right? like um, and we're paying <laughs> them because they've got us Hook, line, and sinker. Otherwise, what, what are the rules when you do boxing? I've forgotten what they're called. No, the Queensbury Marcus Queen, of Queensbury rules. Marcus of Queensbury rules. Exactly. They're they not be, playing by them. <laughs> it's just not cricket. These exactly. Russians. What exactly. they're doing, but it does seem to have had an effect. All of this media attention and the obviously President Biden's attention as well, and the authorities has seemed to have sent a bit of a scare and a chill through the computer crime underground. For instance, there's a cryptocurrency mixing service. This is something which um, cyber criminals use to sort of launder their money to make it harder to track where their Bitcoin transactions have gone. One called BitMix, that seems to have ceased its operations. Other forums are saying, we're not going to advertise ransomware as a service schemes anymore and help the gangs because... We, we don't want to get into trouble ourselves. So if you are a ransomware gang leader, Rory. <laughs> what are you saying? Is, well, no, I'm just saying if you were, here is my advice. Don't target firms which run critical infrastructure, even if you don't hit the critical infrastructure, because that's going to get you a lot of headlines and unwanted attention. Keep your head down. You don't want the US authorities and Joe Biden knowing your name. And if you want to sleep easier at night, just do something profitable that's legal. Okay, can, can you tell me something, though? Like write a book about computer technology. Sorry? Tell, me what, tell me what legal uh, employment you can think of that has this kind of ROI. Because they've got, <laughs> quite, a, they've got a quite a nice little system here if people are paying up all the time. I, I think cybersecurity industry. I think right yeah. now they're the ones who are really... <laughs> 
cashing in right now, aren't they? Rory, what have you got to talk to us about this week? I've got to talk to you about one of my favourite subjects, or also a subject which has me whimpering under under the table <laughs> when I look at my inbox, and that is cryptocurrency, mm. which I've had a long and uh, tawdry relationship with. Um, <laughs> Can't wait. How much have you lost, Rory? Come on, let, admit it. No, no. Is it you w- who's digging up a, a garbage tip in Wales trying to find it your? It is not. Although I did that story. <laughs> The worst thing is I've actually made a bit of money about it, despite hating it with a passion. <laughs> so there's a chapter in a book which has just come out called Always On, Ooh. Hope and Fear in the Social Smartphone Era. Sounds amazing. Uh, which is a kind of history of the era which started in 2007 with the launch of the iPhone and tells the story of the way smartphones and social networks came together and changed our lives in all sorts of ways. But there is one whole chapter uh, on cryptocurrencies and the madness of Mm. them and the iron entered my soul in 2016 when i got what was supposed to be one of the great scoops of my career which all went a bit wrong uh this story was given to me a gentleman from the economist and somebody from gq what a combination the bbc (laughs) the economist and, and gq and it was to meet the man who was Satoshi Nakamoto. Oh. And that was Dr. Craig Wright, oh. an, an Australian oh, figure. Oh, yes. So just to be clear to anyone who, who doesn't realise, Satoshi was the uh, sort of anonymous inventor of Bitcoin, the person the who grand, written, yes, yes, the grandmeister. The tuba. <laughs> he wrote a paper in 2009 called Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was called a Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer uh, money system. And ever since, there's been huge mystery about what his or her or their real identity is. Mm. And this guy came forward. To cut a long story short, he proved in in his terms to us that he was Satoshi Nakamoto by uh, engineering this particular transaction or demonstration. Uh, And, you know, so complex was it that I hadn't a clue what was going on, but there were two people... prominent in the Bitcoin community in the room who vouched that, yeah, it seemed to be true. Uh, And we put our piece out, luckily not saying he is, but saying he claims to be. And within hours, the incredibly... uh, uh, (laughs) The incredibly fighty cryptocurrency community, you know, the people's front of Bitcoin versus the Bitcoin people's front, um, had torn apart his claims. Uh, And it all ended a couple of days later where he promised what he called extraordinary proof. And I had to send a tiny sum of Bitcoin to an address, which was something like the Genesis block, the original, one of the very first bits of Bitcoin that had never been touched since and could only have been controlled by Satoshi. And he would send it back. And we got our cameras in front of this screen where you could see, you know, it's the blockchain. You could see what's going on. You could see my money had gone in and we waited for a red arrow signaling it coming out. Um, (laughs) uh, And we waited and waited. It didn't happen. And then we got a statement from him saying he couldn't do do this. He was just, you know, it it was all too much for him. He'd he'd come over all funny. Um, (laughs) And ever since, ever since... I've been waiting for my 0.017 Bitcoin back 
from Satoshi Nakamoto, and it was only worth a fiver then, but I think it's worth something like 200 quid now. Anyway, yes, that's a dinner somewhere smoky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I proceeded to do a lot more journalism about not just Bitcoin, but about these things. Do you remember ICOs, initial coin offerings where people built businesses on the blockchain, dating on the blockchain, for God's sake? Because there was was a period when you would meet people who say, oh, Bitcoin, no, 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 you don't want to worry about that. That, That's not interesting. What's interesting is the thing underneath it, the blockchain. Yeah. I think the first time somebody said to me, the blockchain is going to be bigger than the internet itself was 2014. They've been saying it every second day since, and it's still eight in my view. And then we come right up to date with what's happened in the last month or so and enter another character in my book, the extraordinary Elon Musk. Oh, Graham has a bit of a bromance uh, with Fred. Yeah, I do well, not. I, I, I interviewed Elon Musk in 2016, uh, and there's a whole story behind that about getting that interview. And I mean, the, 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 the great thing about Elon Musk is he's always thought big. He's thought mm. big about transforming the car industry, transforming the space industry. Um, and at the end of that interview, I wrote a blog about him with the headline, Bonkers But Brilliant. Um, <laughs> Uh, which his PR man didn't like. And I had to try and explain to him that it's bonkers in, in, in English. This is two nations separated by a common language. Bonkers is a really affectionate term, you yes, understand. Yes, yes. Uh, he didn't buy it, and I've not had an interview <laughs> since. But uh, at least back in 2016, he was a visionary. You could say he was a visionary. He was doing amazing things. And in some ways, he's still doing amazing things. But he's not talking about them. He spent the last two months talking about cryptocurrency in the most daft and idiotic way uh, yeah. he first announced that tesla was going to buy a bunch of bitcoin and accept payment in bitcoin because mm. uh, he has got a huge clique of twitter followers who f- hang on his every word and muscovites um, yeah, 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 yes. yeah 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 really? yeah that. That. that is good that is good muscovites <laughs> and then of course the crypto crowd are even crazier the people who have profiles with with uh, lights coming out of their eyes that that meme or send you a, a, a simpsons meme if you're at all critical saying have fun staying poor yeah um yeah those kind of folks so he propelled the bitcoin price to new heights uh, to sixty thousand dollars when uh old uh, uh satoshi ho-ho when i paid him that 0.017 it was about five thousand dollars so hmm. you see that's how much changed uh yeah. anyway he did that he also started riffing about dogecoin which yeah. is this this is complete joke coin which was literally started as a joke and that began to take off and then a few days ago suddenly he decides actually bitcoin is bad for the environment who knew yes surprise surprise (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think what's happened is that the poor benighted tesla cell staff are saying listen we can't this is a nightmare accepting (laughs) payments in bitcoin it's worth x one day x minus 10 percent the next day x plus 10 percent the third day this is barking mad and he's finally listened um but it's caused endless ructions. And still, I come back to the fact that Bitcoin and all cryptocurrencies are just not a good idea. Um, Well, there are two ways of looking at them. Mm. Either you believe in them, and you believe in the philosophy behind them, which is an interesting philosophy and an extreme libertarian philosophy, which says all banks will basically melt away, all fiat currencies, uh, your pounds, your dollars will go away and Bitcoin will rule the world or other cryptocurrencies will rule the world. So you can either believe that, and there are some people who believe that, 
or you can be in it frankly for a quick buck which is you know the best reason to be in it thinking it's worth ten dollars now it'll be worth twenty dollars tomorrow those are the only two reasons mm. to believe in it and what's extraordinary to me is about a month ago i was on uh not a podcast i was in a in in a clubhouse room talking at an event and a, a senior figure in the london fintech community when i was going on one of these riffs like i just have yeah said <laughs> big guy in london he was a nice guy and he said uh, rory you've got it all wrong about cryptocurrency it is now being seen in financial circles as a a recognized asset class honestly and i thought yeah and then i i open up the financial times this week and find the city suddenly has decided after a month of elon muskery and all this nonsense oh it certainly isn't an accepted asset class uh, brackets wouldn't wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot barge pole mm-hmm. so which kind of shows that don't believe the latest craze that even the establishment tells you is great don't forget that in 2007 2008 they were telling you that cdo's and all those complex derivatives were the future uh, just before they tanked the world economy mm-hmm. So that is my view of cryptocurrency. And it will, uh, people do listen to this podcast, don't they, Graham? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I I will now get a tidal wave of abuse. Because the other (laughs) thing is, it is is a community full of um, fanatics uh, who will not um, brook any criticism. Can I give you a quote, which I use in my... Is this quote quote included in any book which has recently been published? It is it is included in in a in a in a very recently published book uh, always on available in all good bookstores and online. Uh, Hunter S <laughs> Thompson uh, this is how he describes crypto. It's not actually but I'll tell you what he's describing in the moment. Uh, <laughs> cuz he was dead before crypto. Yes. Uh, yes. A cruel and shallow money trench, a long plastic hallway where thieves and pimps run free and good men die like dogs. There's also a negative side. Uh, and, And he was talking about the music business. But in my experience, that's the crypto business, too. Yeah. So some people, do you think a lot of people have invested all of their earnings like are there going to be horror shows of of just lost cash everywhere or do you well some people have have invested enormously in it because some people have made a lot of money let's let's be fair but but the the big question is of course because there's this culture of hodling do you know about hodling no Mm. i don't if you're a hodler uh, and it comes from a game of thrones character um uh, or it actually comes from somebody mistyping hold once. Uh, <laughs> if you're a hodler, part of the culture is you will never sell. You'll always hold uh, uh. because Bitcoin is, quotes, going to the moon where we'll all drive around in Lambos, Lamborghinis. <laughs> um, this is the culture. Uh, so some of the, a few of the people have got who've got out, uh, got out at the top have done extremely well indeed mm-hmm. um others not so much i had a brilliant tale on the new york times daily podcast the other day about a guy who's got into dogecoin and yeah. has always wanted to buy a house uh, and had been saving up for a house uh mm. and decided that the conventional economy wasn't doing it for him invested in dogecoin <laughs> and he's now got two million dollars from having put all of his money into dogecoin except that he's insisting he won't sell because 
he, his, his line was, well, the guy who bought Amazon at $10 and then sold mm. it at $20, he's looking a fool today. Yeah. Uh, and that's my philosophy with Dogecoin. Yeah. Um, the trouble is, you know, Dogecoin ate Amazon. <laughs> yeah. And he may never have his house. Mm. Amazon, that's an online bookstore, isn't it? It Free is, where, where <laughs> you can buy, yeah. Always on by Rory Kevin Jones. Other bookstores are available. Excellent. Crow, what have you got for us? Um, okay, so I want you guys to imagine that you're getting out of bed in the morning, right? Okay? <laughs> right. You're still puttering around the slippers, and you go downstairs, and you see that your bins have been totally thrown around the home. Like the kitchen bin has just been desecrated. Mm. And you already know who the culprits might be. It's your five-year-old or your five-month-old puppy, and you need to know who it is. So luckily, luckily for you, you have a smart home surveillance in your house. All right. And you can just log into your account and see who ransacked the kitchen bins. So you log in, but woe and behold, it is not your house on the feed. It's not your kitchen, and it's not your dog or child, but someone else's home entirely. You have access, in fact, to all their controls. So you can actually change cameras, change the zoom and the tilt, switch between views. <laughs> um, right. You imagine you're there. Imagine you're in that scenario right, right now. Now, Graham, yes. I want you to imagine that it's Gary Kasparov's house that <gasps> you have accidentally stumbled upon. Yes. How long before you switch off? Well, I, d I don't want to spy on Gary. I wouldn't want to do that. I just want to play chess with him. Be truthful, though. How long? <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I, 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 don't, I don't... You turn it off right away? I, I, I think I'd feel quite disturbed, because if he doesn't realise he's being watched, who knows if he's padding around in his wife fronts? <laughs> it may not be something you want to watch. What about Pierce Morgan? Oh. <laughs> oh, 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 Rory. We're so, we're so in line with everything. <laughs> What about Elon Musk, Rory? Would you want to just Ugh. have a little spy? No. no don't call him. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't no, call no, him no. Uh, bonkers. Yes. Yeah, definitely not. This all kicks off last week because a message pops up on Reddit, right? And the post title right. was warning, disconnect any UFI security products uh, you own immediately. Okay. Oh, E-U-F-Y. E E-U-F-Y. I've got a UFI thing. Do you? I have a UFI um, baby cam thing, baby monitor. Uh-oh. Mine isn't connected to the internet. Mine is only um, using radio waves or whatever. So I don't have an internet one. Right. Back to Eufy. Back to Eufy yes, security yes. products, right? So someone on, on Reddit says, I was just randomly given someone else's camera feed and had access to all their event recordings. I was still logged into my account when this happened. So it appears to be a bug within the app itself. I have no idea how this is even possible. I'm like Eufy. What is Eufy? So I go looking on their website. Eufy's motto is smart home simplified is what drives us to build easy to use smart home devices and appliances mm. that are designed to enhance your life. Yet someone on Reddit compared it to a Black Mirror episode. The fact that they could see someone else's stuff. Not the one involving the pig and the <laughs> prime minister. No. So apparently live. If I was watching Piers Morgan with a pig. Now that's a whole different matter. God. Straight onto my Twitch stream I'm with that one. I'm going to vomit. 
So live and recorded camera feeds were being shown to complete strangers. And Eufy security users also had complete access to the account so they could, you know, so anything they could, they could change anything. They could change the right. configurations. So I thought, well, right. why don't we check out the features of the Eufy security camera just to see what they could get, right? So this is where oh, okay. marketing can work against you horribly. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> so number one, know when someone's there. The on-device AI instantly determines whether there's a human present within the camera's view. Sight at night. Keep an eye on any room, even in low-light settings. Oh, some night vision. Yep, lovely. Great. Yes. Lovely. Follow the action. When motion is detected, the camera automatically tracks and follows the moving object. So no need to worry about a joystick. Right. <laughs> You can customize the areas in which detections takes place through activity zones. So you could say, I'm really interested mm -hmm. in walking at the bedroom or whatever, some horror show. Right. Yep. Plus, you can communicate from your camera. So say your little poochie was at home. You can kind of go, hey, poochie woochie. Hey, Poochie, and they can woof, woof back at you. Is that what you call your husband? Is it good to your husband? Woof, woof back That's at you. That's wookie. It's wookie. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, so what was quite interesting, so I'm looking at this, and ironically, despite this being a home security product, I found like no security-related information on the Eufy Security Products website. So right. nothing. So then I thought, well, how do most people buy this stuff? And I'm going to ask you how you bought your Eufy product, Graham, because I bet that's what I've... Uh, I think I went to an online bookstore and I was about to buy a book <laughs> called Always On and I was distracted <laughs> into buying a baby monitor instead. Bad mistake. <laughs> yes. People are going to Amazon, right? Or online Walmart or something to buy this. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking through all that and there's no security information at all, except the very end in some of their marketing blurb at the end, it said, every Eufy security product is engineered to ensure your security data is kept private. Have peace of mind that you will have a secure record of everything that happens around your home. And that is That's it. Good to know. So what happened? Well, we don't know yet. We don't actually know what happened, but Eufy has issued a statement. So I would love to see what you guys think of this. And uh, So this is only happening to some Eufy users? Yes. Is it? Or, some, right. They, they claim everyone. somewhere, not here, but somewhere I saw them say it affected 0.001% of its users. <laughs> right. Okay. But yeah. I don't know how many users they have, so it's all complicated. And how? How? Well, yes, how? So this yeah, is what they say. Quite. Yuffie said, okay, dear Yuffie security users, a software bug occurred during our latest server upgrade at 4.50 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our engineering team recognizes this issue at around 5.30 a.m. and quickly got it fixed by 6.30 a.m. And then it says, we recommend all users, please unplug and reconnect the device. Log out of the Yuffie security app and log in again. Yeah, please, please log out. For any questions, contact our support team. That's it. That's what's on their website. On their so website. it was something on their cloud system. So what they're doing is they're taking security footage and they're putting it up on some cloud server somewhere so you can remotely access your security camera. And normally you send some kind of ID and maybe some form of authentication to that server to say, I am Graham in Oxford and I want to view this. And their server was taking that information, you're Graham in Oxford, and then they were just mm -hmm. taking someone's completely random you were able to change the tilts on the camera that were live yeah. as well. Yeah, they were they were changing the ID somehow. Yeah, they, they, they screwed they, up they the were, ID. They thought, that, so that's what they made a screw, and that's how presumably they've been able to roll out an update to the cloud and fix it. But they need everyone to log out because they may already 
have accessed someone else's account. And, you know, as smart as you are, that's wonderful that you think that, but that is pure conjecture on your part. Oh, it's very, you know, I'm... <laughs> that's, I thought I was just listening in awe there at that top analysis from Graham. I think it's a, it's, it's a plausible explanation of how they've cocked up. Yeah. They said a software bug. It's obviously some kind of authentication issue where they they think you're one ID and you're not. You're a different ID. That's what I'm saying. Okay, I'll give you that. It is a plausible reason, uh, but we just don't know at the moment. But what it does show us is that even if hackers aren't involved, things can go wrong and your personal stuff can be gopped at by a third party. I mean, I just don't think I understand why people put home surveillance inside their home or why the benefits outweigh the risks for most of us. I can understand there's special situations where if you have an elderly parent that's at home alone and you want to check on them or things like that, I get that. Mm -hmm. But why do a large proportion of the population think they need home surveillance? I mean, Rory, what about you? Do you subscribe to this? Do you have this in your house? no. I, I find it weird too, but of course everyone is putting little video cameras outside their house so in, in their doorbells yeah. now, aren't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is possibly more, in some ways, more privacy invasive. I don't know. It's because you're you're, you're capturing everybody that's coming along the street, um, and they're being used by the police in some circumstances. Yes. I do I do have a camera but it's an it's what I call my nature camera and it's not online and I stick it on the back fence and I get shots of the fox that walks along oh. my back fence. I didn't know you're a naturist. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. I, I am invading the privacy of the fox and I I apologize for that but it is not in the cloud. The fox is off the cloud. And here the fox is really trying hard to build a social media profile. <laughs> <laughs> End-to-end encryption isn't just for messengers. You use Signal to chat in private, but what about your documents? Skiff is the first collaboration platform built for privacy from the ground up. Every document, note and idea you write is end-to-end encrypted and completely private. Only you and your trusted collaborators can see what you've created. Unlike Google Docs, Evernote or Notion, no one else, not even Skiff, ever has access. Skiff is offering listeners of Smashing Security early access. Sign up for Skiff's beta at skiff.org slash smashing. That's S-K-I-F-F dot slash smashing. According to the One Login I Am OK mental health survey, more than 77% of technology leaders have said that their work-related stress increased due to the COVID-19 pandemic. In today's work-from-anywhere era, CISOs and IT executives work tirelessly to make sure the organization's information, assets, and technologies are properly protected. And this increased pressure has led to deteriorating mental health, addiction issues, and even suicidal thoughts and tendencies. One login's message, you are not alone. Smashing Security listeners are invited to attend their live event on Wednesday, May 26th for free. It's called Keeping the Mind Clear and the Company Secure. Learn more at smashingsecurity.com forward slash one login. I am okay. That's smashingsecurity.com, one login, I-A-M-O-K-A-Y. And thanks to OneLogin for supporting the show. 
The perfect solution for companies of all sizes, 1Password is quick to deploy, simple to manage, and fits seamlessly into your team's workflow, so you can secure your business without compromising productivity. All kinds of teams can securely share everything needed to work together, give employees access to logins, documents, credit cards, and more on all of their devices. See if company email addresses or credentials have been exposed in a data breach and get alerts when accounts are compromised so you can update passwords right away. Find out more and try 1Password for free for 14 days at onepassword.com. And welcome back. And you join us at our favourite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. 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 Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. It doesn't have to be security-related necessarily. Better not be. Well, my pick of the week this week, I ruminated for a long time. I thought, oh, there's a great book that's out now called Always On by Rory Catherine Jones. I thought, should I plug that? No, he'll probably be doing it. Instead of that, I want to go back to my childhood. And I remember if I was bunking off school, if I was a little lad and I had a stomachache, I might see some daytime television. Are we talking 32, 33 here? Or? We're, we're not 1932 or 33. <laughs> okay. No, I'm talking about 1970s right. is what I'm talking about. Yeah. And there used to be a TV show on, on ITV. I very rarely watched ITV. We weren't really allowed to watch ITV in my household. Pure BBC uh, house. But um, quite right. there was, quite right, there was a programme which at the time I found deathly boring. I thought this is the worst thing on television ever, which was called Crown Court, which was a courtroom do, drama. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I think that's Mastermind, Rory. Oh, you're right. It was similar, though. (laughs) Yes. It was similar. I I was about to launch into the Zcars theme. It was something like that. Anyway, it was set in the fictional city of Fulchester, and actors would act out the court case. But the jury, Carole, was made up of members of the public. Okay. And so they sat there like a jury, just... And at the end, they had to say guilty or not guilty. And the actors... It was like a faux court. Like a faux court. Well, yes, yes. And it was made up stories. It wasn't like Judge Judy. I don't want you getting the wrong idea of what it, this it was. It was classy. It was classy. It was classy <laughs> with proper actors in it. And that's one of the reasons why I love watching it, because you see all these old, because I love a bit of retro television. Anyway, so I have found a website, and this is one of the things I love about the internet. I've found a fan website for Crown Court. Okay. And it's I called it. Fulchester Crown Court, where they analyse the episodes there have been 879 episodes of Crown Seriously? Court, it turns out. It was every, it was lunchtime, every day. It was, yes, Monday that's right. Monday to Friday, lunchtime, yeah. It was stripped throughout the week. It wasn't expensive, it wasn't, it wasn't. No. I'm going to have a watch were, then at cocktail hour, just yeah. see what this oh, is. Oh, okay, all it's, it's all on one set, Kroll. It's not like you all, it's not like Line of Duty. It's, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I love about it. I don't and mind so that, I, was, I don't mind it, it's like a play. Yeah. I was watching an episode from 1978 called The Jawbone of an Ass. Of course you do. Of course you were. (laughs) It has been alleged that someone fractured his brother-in-law's jaw with a frozen leg of pork, and he's been charged with GBH. So I was watching this, and it's marvellous. And the guy who's accused, I won't won't give away whether he's guilty or not, uh, was Dougie Brown, who you may remember as a stand-up comedian. Turns out he's an actor. I was watching another one about uh, this treasonous guy, there's Richard Wilson in there. You, you, I don't, I don't believe, believe it. it. <laughs> I don't believe it. 
Michael Elphick as well. Michael Elphick. And, and they're in Can it. Can we just have more Graham Cluley impressions of great <laughs> British actors? Do, or do you do Michael Caine? <laughs> Not a lot of paper on that, that, Rory. I could be doing uh, the dishes he's, he's, right oh, now. I just want you to know that. Yeah, I could anyway, be washing I my hair put, and that doesn't take long. I, <laughs> I will put some links in the show notes. I quite enjoy it. It's very 1970s. I didn't appreciate it as a kid, but now, in the, as my days are getting shorter. <laughs> You're in your 50s. Shut up. As the sun is setting, it's the sort of gentle television I enjoy. Go and check out Full Chester Crown Court, the website. Links in the show notes, or indeed go and watch some episodes of Crown Court yourself. Now, Rory, what's your pick of the week? Well, my pick of the week is so classically British uh, and dull at first sight. It's the weather. <laughs> the weather has been absolutely insane for the last... It's bonkers. It's the thing that all Brits are talking about at the moment. So we, we, we were locked down uh, last year. Last year, the lockdown, at least the first lockdown, happened in glorious spring weather. This year, April was incredibly cold grey and dull not, not a drop of rain may has been torrential rain uh followed by a brief bit of sun followed by torrential you never dry out mm. uh, and it's been driving me up the wall but it is one thing it has taught me is respect for once for the the science of weather forecasting uh because we are all and we particularly in, in recent weeks when you have been allowed to have people in your garden, but not inside, have been obsessively looking at the weather mm. apps. It's true. Yes. Um, yes. Now, we, my wife and I have a, a drink every Sunday evening with two sets of neighbours and we shuttle between our houses. And of course, uh, at the last couple of months that has been taking place in somebody's garden now yeah. one set of people have a bit of an awning so you can just about shelter under there <laughs> shivering to death um while the rain patters down you know so desperate are we for a drink with friends that we would do that we don't so we are very dependent on staring at this these apps and th the sad truth is they have become pretty we, we all mock the weather forecasters because we always notice when it's wrong uh, be, be careful rory my father was a weatherman oh well i'm i'm about so, to give respect to okay to okay the persons because actually they are now pretty darn good and i i'm looking out right now i'm in my loft in ealing every 10 minutes it, it lashes down with rain um yes but i'm looking I'm looking at a, a B, the BBC weather app actually, Obviously. and uh, and you just have to learn learn to to read it properly because every symbol for the next four hours is sunshine and showers, and you think <laughs> how good is that? How useful is that? But then I've just noticed <laughs> there is a, a likelihood of rain percentage: seventy six percent, seventy two percent, sixty one percent, forty six percent. So you could be pretty damn sure that it is going to rain. <laughs> uh, and even better dark sky which is mm. uh, uh a more bespoke app is telling me that rain is going to stop in 60 minutes followed by light rain followed by light rain followed by mostly cloudy anyway yeah. the point i'm saying is the science behind this 
has got great, but this will never satisfy people. It it it, it tells us something about our attitudes to technology of all kinds. We, <laughs> you know, two hundred years ago. Uh, maybe 300 years ago, they used to cut open the belly of a goat and look at the liver and say it's going to rain on Sunday. <laughs> and and, and when, when the seer who did this got this wrong, he was beheaded. <laughs> and we're still the same today. No, now we've moved on. We've put a lot of science behind it. Meteorologists use supercomputers. I think the, the Met Office in Britain has just announced a huge investment in a, a new supercomputer. Yeah. A- and they do get it pretty accurate. I mean, and British weather is probably more difficult to predict than a- any other because it changes so rapidly. And for instance, when there's snow, the boundary between people who've got snow and people who haven't is incredibly difficult to predict. And they will there'll be outrage all over twitter when people were promised snow and didn't get it (laughs) so i say let's hear it for the weather forecasters because pretty much you know 80 percent of the time uh on the most difficult thing to predict that there is they get it right huzzah for weather people what if elon musk brought out a blockchain powered weather app would you be using that rory uh, no, I would I would go and whimper in a corner because I spend I, I, I must design a filter in my email because the word blockchain needs yep. to be excised from existence from my life. Yeah. Yeah. I wish you hadn't said that. I'm sorry. I've ruined yeah, everything. Ru- One thing I would say, though, is last week we were talking about apps that kind of snarfle information from you and how Mm. iOS is now warning of it. And one of the big finds from the New York Times was that weather apps are are dastardly in this area. So I would just say to listeners, get weather apps, but get a good one. I also use the BBC weather app, which I found very jolly good. Um, Really jolly good. Yep, it is. It's great. Mm. Um, But I don't uh, don't know about any others. As as I'm sure you were making the point, on iOS 14.5, you will find out whether they are tracking you or not. So yeah. check that first. Say, turn that off. Yeah, if you're not yeah. using Apple, screw them. Well, too bad. And <laughs> maybe consider paying. I mean, if, if there is an app you like, pay for it rather than maybe get the advertising. Cause but that doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to track you in a way you don't like. Oh, though. really? No. Oh, scumbags. Don't assume just because it's, yeah. yeah. All right. Crow, what's your pick of the week? Well, I'm actually a little nervous I did this one before. Look, we've done so many of these. But even if I have, it's a really good one. So um, it's a podcast called Hyacinth Disaster. Have I done that clue? Oh. Uh, I'll just look it up on our archive page. Yeah, that's Hang true. On. I should have that. I, I think in 1973 you did that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a long-term no, I think listener. you're clear, Crow. I think you're clear. You're okay. Okay, perfect. Okay, so because I did hear this uh, a number of years ago. Okay, so the premise is it's year 2151. It's an audio drama podcast. Seven episodes, <laughs> one series, start, middle, and finish, right? So there's 150 million resource-rich asteroids populating the void between colonized Mars, colonized, Graham, colonized Mars and Jupiter. <laughs> Basically, right. there's tons of asteroids full of minerals, yes. and there's super corporations out there that are competing because they're beyond the reach of civilized law. So there's loads of warring going on. And as the name suggests, there is a bit of a disaster that happens to MRS Hyacinth. So there are seven episodes, and you it's just, it's so 
great the the show it's it's like really the soundscaping of it is astounding and um i quite love it and it's quite emotional like i dare people not to tear tear up by the end of the uh, the seventh show so it's like a space opera kind of thing is it not an opera <laughs> why no, opera? You know what As i mean soap opera uh, yes no, like a, a space no. soap opera it's what's not, wrong with it there's nothing he's being he's being kindly yes. about your choice he's being enthusiastic <laughs> thank you rory and it's not like soap opera. It's not like, will they get together? Find no, out next a, week. No, it, it just means, okay, a space drama. Yeah, yes. an audio drama. Right. I don't know. I, maybe I come from North America. Space soap opera means something very specific to me. <laughs> I recommend checking it out if you're into sci-fi audio drama listeners out there. A few listeners, I told them on Twitter. I DM'd a few people looking for other shows. And it's coming. And Hi- Hi- Hyacinth is the name of a spacecraft. Yes, MRS Hyacinth is one of the crew the main crew that you follow in the show, hence the name. The Hyacinth Disaster, is that it? You got it. Listen, while, we, while you're talking, I'm downloading the first episode. I, you know, Good, you'll love it, yeah, you'll love it. Yeah, also, the podcast is called The Hyacinth Disaster. Disaster, yeah. Yes. Yeah. The podcast is called The Hyacinth Disaster, and that is my pick of the week. Now, Carole, before we go, we've got an interview, haven't you? You've interviewed Vanessa Pegaris from One Login. Yes, they did some research on mental health in the cyber IT space, and the results are pretty interesting. Check it out. Big welcome to Vanessa Pegaris. Is am I saying your name correctly, Vanessa? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Okay, I'm just going to check. Now, Vanessa is the Chief Trust and Security Officer at OneLogin. OneLogin is a cloud-based identity and access management provider. Now, what's involved in being a Chief Trust and Security Officer? Well, yeah, I have the normal functions that, you know, most security leaders have, such as, you know, cybersecurity, uh, compliance, and uh, some elements of privacy. In addition, I do also have IT, which is a function under me. And that's a, a little different than most companies because typically security reports into IT. And here at One Login, IT reports into security. And uh, I can talk a little bit about why we structured it that way. Fundamentally, we believe that security is foundational to our customers' trust. And mm. trust is a broad uh, topic. It's not just technology, uh, which, you know, a lot of people think security and technology, but trust is an, a more emotional component of do our customers uh, believe in our product? If we mess up, will our customers give us a second chance? Do mm. our customers believe what we say we're going to do and execute? So to me, it's a it's a business term. And more and more today, because technology is so key to all companies, that security is a, is a big element of that trust. And so that's why uh, the title is a little broader at OneLogin because we're a security company and because we know that, you know, fundamentally trust is, is critical to our customers. I love that you guys have done that. Now you guys are launching a brand new campaign, which coincides with May's, you know, mental health awareness month. And it's called I am okay. What can you tell us about it? Well, the, the security leaders and security practitioners, the teams, they're under a lot of stress. They've been under a lot of stress even prior to the pandemic, but the pandemic has even made that stress greater. 
Uh, we did a survey of about 250 tech leaders in the March-April timeframe, and 77% of the respondents believe that the pandemic actually increased their work-related stress. And 86% of the respondents reported their workload increased during the pandemic. So not only did the stress increase, but the but the workload increased. So really a result of a few things. One is the threat environment is just getting greater and greater. There are more people attacking more, you know, co- uh, companies, their their systems. And there's also this concept of, you know, where actually the uh, the surface area of potential exploitation, which means that there's more way for hackers to actually compromise or or break into systems. If you think about you're using cloud systems and you're using third-party SaaS applications and you have multiple devices, you have your laptop and your phone and your tablet, there's more and more places for hackers to actually compromise or exploit the the person, the individual, on, on, depending on the type of service they're using or the device. So this is just making the job of security professionals more and more difficult. Totally. Because if you think about it, you know, I think back to, I don't know, maybe even 20 years ago, you had an eight hour window to try and get someone, you know, attacked. You know, the environment has changed so, so, so much. So I'm not surprised, actually, that IT people are finding the pandemic to be even more stressful. That means they now have to look after remote workers all over with different environments that they're not in charge of. Yes, exactly. And that and I think that's the fundamental difference with the pandemic there there were some modern enterprises such as like here at one login we were already very distributed there were people working from home we were used to that already but there are more like i'd say more mature companies that have been around a long time that a smaller percentage of their workforce was actually working from home and they had to make an abrupt shift and like all of a sudden had to get all these people equipped with laptops and, you know, make sure the right security controls were in place to um, do the best they could while they were working at home. And and all of that had to happen very quickly. And that was incredibly stressful on the IT teams, but, you know, also the security teams. And I separate those two because they have they have different functions. And as I mentioned, we, it, we here at OneLogin have IT underneath uh, the security team. And the main mm. reason we do that is because we want the IT priorities to be driven by security. We don't want the it the other way around. Security is our, our number one value in the company. And we want to make sure that all the activities and work done by our IT team are driven by security priorities. So that's why we have it embedded within the security team versus security being embedded in the IT team. So this is a bit left field, but if a company was thinking, listening to you right now, Vanessa, and thinking, this is smart, like, I like this idea of security being above IT, what would be some of the things that they need to consider to make that shift within their environment? It's a complete cultural shift for some some companies that have been around for a long time. You know, obviously, you would have like a fundamental challenge with uh the, the traditional approach of the CIO and the, and the CISO, the, the, you know, chief information security uh-huh. officer reporting to the CIO. So there's organizational challenges and cultural challenges around that. There's also, uh, the security leader needs to be, if you're going to kind of have that structure, the security leader needs to be 
very well equipped to deal at the business level as the CIO has done in for many years. So they become right. a true business leader. And I think that's fundamentally happening and changing already today because security is becoming such an important issue. It's at the board level. It's at the definitely at the CEO level. And the other uh, big difference we have here at One Long is I report directly into our CEO because, again, security yeah. issues are so important. I can't be layered down. I, I need to be directly sitting at the table with my peers who lead up engineering and product development and marketing, and I need to be able to weigh in on those decisions. That is uh, something I think is a trend that will grow in the future as security becomes more and more of an issue. If you think about this campaign, the I am okay, I wonder if a lot of the stress comes from the immense responsibility put on IT people and the responsibility they have, especially during the pandemic. But the lack of, you know, ability to make calls, you know, they still have to go begging with their hat to to different people to get money or resource to do things. And they end up, in my experience, they've ended up having to shelf things they really want to do and it is good for the business because it's just too complicated and they're putting out too many fires. Then knowing you have all the accountability and the responsibility, but you have no authority. You have right. no real influence. You can't uh, really impact your outcome. And that is an incredible stressful formula. And so I think that that is one of the reasons the structure is very important so that and and then you can also ensure that your CEO and your board has full awareness of the issues in the organization and can make better business decisions. So a lot of times I feel bad for security teams that are buried down in organizations and they're, they're trying to tell everybody about all the things that are wrong, but nobody's listening to them. It never makes its way up to the right people to really be informed about the risks. Do you think it's a good idea to tell IT directors and VPs of IT out there to raise awareness, champion the security advisor they have that is responsible for this stuff and listen to them? Because they may be acting, while they they may think they're a bridge, right, to the upper echelons, they may be acting as a hindrance to trying to get the business more secure and, and, and more streamlined. Yes, that's true. And and that's where you get into the people, uh, you know, human behavior and uh, people's goals and aspirations. And it's very difficult for sometimes human beings to step aside and say, hey, I might not be actually helping this. I need to I need to move aside and, and figure out a better way to deal with this. But I think you're right. We we need to make space for that messaging to go up to the right level of the organization. So, you know, as I said, better decisions can be made. Getting back to your campaign, all these people being stressed out, which we I completely understand, what were their coping mechanisms? Were they any different from the rest of us? Well, it, unfortunately, uh, I think that uh, in my experience with insecurity, there, I've seen some both positive and negative coping mechanisms um, within Um, the profession. Um, If you go to any security conference, um, whether it's Black Black Hat or RSA or, you know, these are big ones in the U.S., there is uh, typically a lot of drinking. I think alcohol abuse, substance abuse is a big problem within our area of, you know, with security and, and, and even IT. And I think that this is becoming something that's being surfaced more and more as an issue. And 
one of the good things about our survey is it it did emphasize, which was a little surprising to me, that um, that about three three quarters of the survey respondents believe their organization valued their health and well being. So this is like wow, organizations are starting to realize this is a very stressful role, and we are concerned about you. And, and, and we need to get people into positive modes around how to cope with this stress. So that's, I think that's one of the goals of this panel discussion we're going to be doing on uh, March 26. Yes, tell us about this panel. So, so listeners, you will be uh, able to attend this panel and learn all of the stuff that they've, uh, rec- you know, they found in their survey and plus meet a few people. So Vanessa, tell us, tell us what will happen on that day. Yeah, so we have a panel myself and two other uh, CISOs, as well as a mental health professional that we're going to sit together and talk about some of the challenges that um, we have around uh, stress. We're going to talk about some real experiences around uh, incidents, security incidents and breaches and how that impacted us at, at a, a personal level. Um, the mental health professional uh, who is a doctor will talk about uh, some of the coping mechanisms that are important. Important. And uh, we're going to just talk about uh, just generally um, have a very kind of a very free flowing conversation on on um, the general challenges of this for our, ourselves as, as, as leaders, but also for our teams and come up with some recommendations on things we should be we should be doing. I'm actually really thrilled you guys are doing this. I've been in the industry 20 years, maybe. And, you know, I've had, you know, vague nods towards, you know, hey, you guys okay? Get back to work. <laughs> right. So so in the infosec industry, like it seemed it my, my my takeaway of working in really hardcore corporateville was if you were very capable, people recognized that and leaned on you more. Everyone has their limits. There's a straw that breaks the back at some point. One one tiny thing that can just do it. And being able to talk about it is a huge, huge thing for people. They're not isolated. Yeah, yeah, and they're not, and they're not the only one feeling this. And I think that's no! that's going to your yeah. point around isolation. Sometimes people suffer in silence. They think they're the only ones that are feeling this. But in in this pandemic has been impacting um, all of us. Have been uh, suffering in our own way and loss, different kinds of loss. Uh, some some much more severe yeah. than others. Coming together as community, I think, is super important during these tough times. Uh, I do think that um, there are there are definitely you know some interesting notes that uh, we we got in our survey was that the respondents who basically said that in order to cope with their stress, eighty percent of them turned to exercise, and forty percent relied on meditation. Wow, people are figuring this out. Even despite that, uh, they still said 24% of our respondents still indicated that alcohol and drug use were common in how they were dealing with the, the issues or uh, their stress. So mm-hmm. it's still a problem, you know, and uh, we have to continue to work on it. What are your uh, your tips for trying to calm down in a stressful environment? If you are an IT lead and you just can't hack it anymore, what advice do you have to these people? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's situational. So there's different, there's different techniques I use. So during a, an actual situ, like a security incident, the first thing I do is actually take deep breaths. Just got really bad news, you know, like, yeah. oh, let me just breathe here. One of the most important things during crisis is to keep yourself calm, especially as a leader, because as a leader, 
If you're not calm, the people around you are not going to be calm. What's what yep. the worst thing you can uh, experience is when your leader is is um, freaking out, <laughs> freaking out. And they're and, 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 you know, the first thing you feel is like, I need to freak out if my leader is yep. freaking out. So um, so it, as a leader, we need to stay calm. And I think uh, breathing helps me personally. Uh, I try uh, to exercise, uh, every, as much as I possibly can, which is usually Mm. three to four times a week. And that really helps me with uh, controlling more in a more long-term sense, my stress. So, you know, again, very, depending on the situation, yoga, getting outside and being Mm. in nature is very calming to me. Getting, you know, I like to love to go, especially when the weather gets good around here in Seattle is, I love to, you know, go out, get out in the woods and walk, uh, you know, just get, get in, in the mountains and, and relax. Uh, nutrition, what you eat is super important. And it's like, you know, I feel better when I eat better. If I, you know, I found and, and experienced, uh, you know, during a, a security incident, people eat all kinds of junk food and they're, and, you know, they're stress yeah. eating, you know, so, so I think, uh, that's important. And, and probably one of the number one things is sleep for me. I need to get, uh, it, I know it sounds like a lot because I talk to people and they're like, I barely get five hours. I need like eight hours of sleep. And um, wow. I really will uh, strive to get that that level of sleep. And so I can think better the next day. There are problems that I can't solve prior to going to sleep. I go to sleep the next day. I'm like, oh, I got it. I, I figured this out. You know, so I think it's that time we need to give our body to recharge. You're totally right, Vanessa. I swear, if I could have you as my chief (laughs) trust and security officer, someone who sleeps, does everything right, it would be amazing. Because a lot of us aren't doing everything right at the moment. And um, we should take a page out of your book. I do have, I have to say, I'm not, um, nobody's perfect. So I do, I do have my, uh, my moments where I'm like, okay, I need to open some wine and have a drink. (laughs) (laughs) Vanessa, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us today. Is there anything else you want to share with our listeners before we sign off? No, I just hope, um, you know, you everybody realizes, whoever's listening, if you're under this kind of stress, um, you're not alone. Um, come and listen to our panel on March 26th. And if you bond with community, that's going to help you be stronger. Yep. I can't say it any better. Vanessa Pagueras, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Listeners, sign up to this event, Securing the CISO, Keeping the Mind Clear and the Company Secure for free by visiting smashingsecurity.com forward slash one login. I am okay. Excellent stuff. And that just about wraps it up for this week. Rory, I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online and maybe find out about your book as well. What's the best way for folks to do that? I don't tweet about the book at all, uh, but if you go to at Ruskin147, I've also got, I've also put my toe in the water of Substack. Do you know about Substack? Mm, yes. I've got a newsletter about the book, Substack, Rory Catlin Jones. So have a look for that. Fantastic. Yeah. I, I won't bang on about it too much, just only every half hour 
And you can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity. No G, Twitter will last to have a G. And you can also join the Smash Insecurity subreddit. And don't forget, if you want to ensure you never miss another episode, follow Smash Insecurity in your favourite podcast apps, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And if you fancy it, maybe give us a review. Tell your friends. Do something like that. We'd love it. Go on. And huge thank you to this week's episode sponsors, One Login, Skiff, and One Password. And thank you to all our Patreon supporters, too. It's thanks to all these people that this show is free for all. For episode show notes, sponsorship details, information how to get in touch with us, and the last 227 episodes, check out smashingsecurity.com. Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. 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 What you're saying is we are of a level of sophistication to appreciate this, and Graham is not. Is that what you're trying to say? Well, Graham just doesn't really like this sort of thing. He he just poo-poos audio dramas all the time. Well, I'm all right with radio drama on Radio 4, which comes from the BBC. (laughs) I'm just not so sure about podcast drama. Yeah, well. For some reason, it just feels wrong. Well, I shall try it. I'm going to go back and watch Crown Court. That's that's where I should be. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly where you should be. There you go. (laughs)